Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps and encourages you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, if you're taking notes this morning, I would encourage you to do so. Um, This is going to be called Held Captive. But I also want to encourage you about something else. You know, every time Brian preaches... A lot of times I know what he's preaching, but I sit on the front row and I take notes in both services. And the reason I do that is if you've sat in both services, you've noticed there's differences and stuff that comes out and that's due to the people drawing on the anointing. In the story where the woman touched Jesus, he did not lay hands on her. He said, something has left me. And, and when you are sitting out in an audience and you are listening to someone preach or you're listening to somebody minister, If you begin to draw on the gift, not on the person, on the gift that God has put inside of them, the anointing that only God can put in them, here will be said. Because you'll hear Brian say, that's not in my my notes, that's for free. What he's saying is, Holy Spirit just took me a different direction because somebody here needs to hear whatever I'm saying right now. And so I encourage you as I minister this morning to pull on what Holy Spirit needs to say to you. What is gonna cause you to be awakened to something that may be you have not heard before, or maybe you have, but you need to be reminded of that truth. So the word of God is living, and we know that it is our, we hear those cliches, it's your text message, it is your book on how to live life, it's your instruction manual. We've gotten so used to hearing that, but I don't know if we actually understand sometimes the context in which certain scriptures are put and why they're put in the certain emphasis that's put on scripture. So this morning I want to talk about our thoughts because I think our thoughts get us more in trouble than we realize because whatever I think up here at some point is going to get down here. So I'm going to be honest with some things this morning. I'm going to share some things that I've had to walk through because I don't know how else to do it. I'm a, you know, I was a youth pastor for so long. Yes, we're going to have an illustration because I want you to remember it. But not because of that. It's literally when God took me to this scripture that I have read probably a thousand times and I am not being dramatic. He gave me a picture in my mind and I had never seen it this way before. Maybe you have and that is amazing and I'm so glad. So just enjoy to hear it again. And you, you, you might laugh a couple times at some of the stories, but that's about it. But if you already have this revelation, then that's awesome. But I don't feel like everybody has this revelation. And I feel like that's why God asked me to speak on this, uh, on this topic today. So I want you to turn your Bibles or your phones to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Powerful scripture, but I don't know if we live by it. So I was reading a story, heard a story the other day, and boyfriend called 911, and he said, I need y'all's help. And they said, what's going on? He said, my girlfriend has been on the toilet for two years. And I need y'all's help. I said, I'm sorry, can you say that one more time? And he said, my girlfriend has been on the toilet for two years and will not leave the seat or the bathroom. I need your help. Is this your first time calling us? Yes, it is. Okay. Well, he needs some help, I believe, also. Okay. After two weeks, you probably should have called the police. Her skin had grown around the seat of the toilet. 
So they actually had to remove the whole toilet to get her into the hospital. They never got any answers to even why she was stuck in there. But I heard the Holy Spirit say, what thought do you think was in her mind that caused that destruction? That for some reason, and they asked him, have you tried to get her out of there? He's like, yeah, I have to bring her her food in there. She sleeps in there every day. I say, do you think you're going to come out today? And I believe that God is asking us today, is today the day that you're not going to allow this thought to control you any longer? Is today the day that you're going to be set free from a thought that has been stuck for so long you don't know what to do with it. So I want you to write this down because I want you to have this revelation first that your thoughts are not always your own. Your thoughts are not always your own. We have a flesh and we have the enemy who comes and plants different thoughts. Our flesh doesn't understand spiritual things. So in trying to understand certain spiritual aspects of life or different things, the enemy will bring thoughts because he knows your fears, he knows your concerns, he knows your worries. But sometimes thoughts go way, way, way back and they begin to affect. I started to realize there was a thought that kept coming up that was affecting my marriage. I grew up with a family of ministers and we traveled all over the place. We lived in a a travel trailer, which back in my parents tried to make it sound cool, but it wasn't. Um, But, you know, when you're a kid, you just try to make anything be cool, you know, and fun. And it was like, well, it's better than a hotel room, but is it really... So um, they bring you food at hotels, you know, so in the camper that wasn't happening. So me, my brother, and my sister Stephanie, the younger two, were not born yet. We all lived in a room that is smaller than my closet. Like, I mean, it is like the smallest thing you've ever seen. And um, so we grew up and, and, and we would homeschool there. And I, so my chair would be to the back of, of the door and then my, my screen to watch Abeka homeschooling was up on my bed. And so, and I couldn't sit still. So they thought that maybe I had ADD. Well, I don't know who could sit still for four and a half hours in a room that size. So I don't know. I felt like the doctor needed to rethink some things. I was like, you sit in this room and sit still. I mean, so I stood up once, like, you know, I don't know. So whatever. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I'm going through homeschooling and, I, and, and my mom comes to me and I'm super excited. She's like, listen, um, we're going to move back to Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're going to take on, uh, we're going to do some outreach positions and some other stuff at Victory Christian Center in Tulsa. We're going to help them grow the church. My dad had this great idea about busing people into the church and, and, it, and it just, exploded Victory Christian Center at that time with uh, Billy Joe and Sharon Darty. And, and so it was an exciting time. My mom said, so if you want to, you can go back to school. I'd gone to school second to fifth grade a little bit, and then I'd been homeschooled all the other times. And she's like, but if you'd like to go back to eighth grade, that would be great. And I was like, this would be awesome. This is so fun. I get to go to school and have friends is what I thought. And not having a clue what seventh and eighth grade were like, because I'm just a kind gentle-hearted soul of a person, and I just love people, you know? And uh, so I'm excited. My mom's like, you got to wear uniforms. I'm like, well, that's not weird. You make all my clothes anyway, so I feel like I wear a uniform, so it's no problem. And so there were some skirts involved that were not my favorite thing in the world. And I'm just, side note, like, I know you don't need to know this, but everybody's like, we never see you in dresses and skirts. Let me tell you, I had to wear them then, and I had to wear them in Bible school for two years straight, pantyhose slip and a dress. So I'm telling you now, you ain't going to see me in one. 
because two years of doing that, I have lived how many I need to wear. So I'm just letting you know now. So it's not that I'm not, you know, oh, you're not girly enough. No, I'm just done with them. Okay, you wear pantyhose, a slip, and a dress for two years straight, and then come and talk to me, because I know I've worn them more than you have. Okay, so we're done. Side note. Okay, so that's why. So I'm, I'm getting ready to go to school. I'm excited. Man, I, I'm, I've, I've got my uniforms, and so I started going to this school, and I started to realize things are just done differently. People just are, are different than I had imagined. I just thought I was just going to be surrounded by amazing people that would love me, and some of the people knew who I, who I was because I had gone to school there before. In fourth grade, I was the kid that did the five-minute Bible lesson that turned into a two-and-a-half-hour laying hands on everybody in the, in the classroom, so they had nicknamed me Elisha, so I did have a reputation that you think maybe sounds cool, but then was not cool. Okay, so um, some of the people thought it was, you know, and, and then some of the kids wanted to forget that they had, had the spirit of intercession hit them, and they were on the floor weeping for three hours. They wanted to forget that it ever happened, but I knew it had. So I kind of came there kind of with that reputation of being the crazy Jesus girl, but I mean, you know, it's okay. I didn't care. I was fine with that. I love Jesus with all my heart. So, you know, one day I, I, I joined the basketball team and I'm excited, but I did not know that the way things work in different schools, if you've not been there playing, no matter how good you were, they weren't going to give you time. They put me in for two minutes of the game. I, skilled, I steal the ball away eight times, but yet that wasn't good enough to keep me in the game. I don't know. So I was just like, whatever. I'm showing you that I have skill. It's not that I, I stink and I don't know how to dribble and you don't want me to play. I get it. Like, you know, but I know what I'm doing because this is all I would do at the, um, at the trailer parks. I would just shoot hoops all the time. I loved it. I was a huge Michael Jordan fan and had a jersey. I was just all about it. So um, greatest basketball player of all time. So thank you. All right, so I'm just going to plug that in there right there. No one compares. Okay, so I, I, I'm excited, but things are just not going well. So one day I'm in study hall and the night before, this precious friend that I thought was mine came up to me and she was crying. And after basketball practice, she said, all this stuff has been going on in my family. And man, I'm so distraught and I'm so upset. And I'm like, man, let, let me pray with you. And so I stay after basketball and I pray with her and I hug her. And I'm thinking, man, I've made a connection. Like I'm going to have a friend. And the next day she acts like she didn't even know who I was. I'm like, hey, Monica, hey, hey, hey. Don't be mad at every Monica you meet now, okay, because it's not going to be her. And they're like, hey, and she just kind of just kept walking. I was like, oh, maybe she didn't see me, you know, because I'm that person. So I go to study hall, and all of a sudden, they go, hey, come over here, come over here. And I'm like, yes, this is awesome. I'm going to, like, they're going to talk to me, because I guess, you know, they had these things where some people talked to some people, some people didn't talk. I didn't understand it. I was like, we're in a tribe here? Like, what is happening? Like, because I don't know what tribe I'm on, and very confused. And they sat me in the, the middle, and they said, man, you know, you're not really that pretty. And I remember, I know it's shocking, right? And uh, I remember, I had never had somebody say that to me before. Like, I had never had the thought cross my mind that I wasn't pretty, you know, because my dad always told me I was. But then I thought, well, that's your dad. Like, he kind of has to. And then I was like, well, but he was not my biological dad, so technically he didn't have to think I was pretty because it wouldn't be like a, you know, a, a smack at him, you know. So I was, like, trying to, you know, make myself feel better, you know. And my mom had always told me, and I came from her, so, I mean, but moms just love their kids. I mean, I've seen some parents. They walk, look at this beautiful baby, and I'm like, that's precious. Y'all know what I'm saying. I've looked back at some of my kids' pictures when they were little, and I'm like, oh, my God, I posted that? (laughs) 
Like, you don't look all right, but you're so in love with your kid. You're like, it's the most beautiful thing. So I was like, maybe my parents had something, you know, I don't know, you know. And they're like, you really don't know how to wear makeup and you really don't know how to do your hair. And they just like kind of went down the list. It was like I had asked to be told all these things that weren't right with me. So I went home and I didn't really talk about it a lot, but it was affecting me. I was just, you know, I, I was in a bad mood and I was frustrated. And um, finally, I had spent the night with one girl and I finally just told her, I said, listen, I don't know what's going on, but I don't think I can come to, the, I don't think I can do this anymore. I said, just the way I'm feeling at school, it's just like, they just feel rejected all the time, just doesn't feel right. And I said, I'm not giving up, but I just, I think I'm gonna just, I'd rather just be with my family. I wanna be with people that love me, you know, that believe in me and see me. And maybe there are stronger people that could stay in school and be like, who cares what you think of me? But this was just a lot. I just wasn't prepared for it at eighth grade. Um, so I told my mom and I asked her and she had some friends that were like, oh, you shouldn't do that. You're babying her. And if you met my mom, there was no babying me whatsoever. So this was like, my mom like is intense like me, but like more. And so I was like this, except as a grandmother, it all changed and they can do whatever they want. It's, I'm like, who is this woman? But it's fine. And so I, I just told my mom this and I get a call from one of the teachers. Um, my mom did. And she said, one of the girls got up at the school today and looked at everybody in the room. And I guess that girl, she just told them how ashamed she was of how they treated somebody new, which was precious. I thought it was amazing. Um, but I went to the teacher and I loved her. Her name was Miss Higdon. And she was my homeroom teacher. And she just cried. She said, I'm so sorry. And I said, I'm sorry I'm not strong enough to, to deal with this. I'm telling you this story because I didn't know that those words, you're not pretty enough, you don't know how to wear makeup, would, would, would just keep going with me. Because it was a thought that was planted. that just kept growing, kept connected to a seed. So I kept thinking, once I get married, I'll feel better. Like, I think I'll know once I get married and somebody chooses me, it'll be this whole new thing. So we won't even talk about the turmoil I went in every friendship I've ever had and how many friends, I mean, dramatic things. Like I, had a, I, had a, I was the maid of honor in a wedding and I was told one hour before the wedding I was no longer the maid of honor because I was singing and they were gonna let somebody else. This was supposed to be my best friend. So I've had like some weird things where it's like, does this really happening to me in this moment right now? You know, I was at a slumber party and a friend, it's pouring down rain, we're getting out of a car, getting ready to walk into the slumber party and she's like, hey, just so you know, I don't wanna be friends with you anymore. So I slept underneath a table the whole night by myself. I know, it's just ridiculous. It's like, why? I could never figure out why these things were, but they were just planting these seeds of you're not enough, you're not seen, you're not loved, you're not cared for. So I meet Brian and my life is, I mean, come on, this is the single most ravishing hunk of male flesh I've ever seen. And you're the only person that to do that. Women in here, you're not allowed to say anything because this is mine. And so, and don't touch them or you're gonna have a problem with me. Just so you know, I don't play. All right, so I'm excited. And I'm like, when he marries me, this is going to fix all things. This is going to fix my insecurity. Two months into our marriage, this thought comes. Man, he really picked a good one to do ministry with, didn't he? I'm like, yeah. Too bad he had to give up in the looks department. Now, this is my own thoughts. Okay, this is my own thoughts. No one came up and said this to me. <laughs> There's people like, who said that to you? You tell me. My friends are like, who is that? Who is that? We are finding them on Facebook. No, these are my own thoughts, my own thoughts. Because all of a sudden when you're, you know, we, we, we met and we got married within six months. So it was, you know, we didn't really, and we only got to hang out on the weekends. 
And so we, and we didn't hang out like alone unless we were eating out because we just didn't want to open the door for the enemy whatsoever. And so we didn't get to have a lot of conversations that people have. So we didn't have past relationship conversations, but I was cleaning out a closet that I found in a room and there was all these pictures. I'm like, who are these people? He was like, well, that was one girl I dated. This is a girl that was in pageants. I said, come again. He said, well, I dated a pageant queen. Okay, y'all, I'm the furthest thing from a pageant queen you are ever going to meet in your life. I might shower as much as they do, but that is the only thing we have in common. I mean, I don't do my nails. If I get my feet done, it is like Jesus has given me the grace. Because those people, they are laughing at my toes. I know they are, and they're talking about them. I know it. So that's not enjoyable. I'm not going to pay $40 to have you make fun of my feet. Okay? I ain't a hobbit, but just come on. I know they look a little flat, and it frustrates me, but it's okay. But sometimes when you go on the beach, you got to get it done, you know? And so I'm processing all, all these things, and I'm looking at all this stuff, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then, of course, on that same, same weekend, somebody's like, man, y'all are a power couple, how you minister together. And I'm thinking, yeah, but how do we look together? Not that they need to tell me that, but that's what I, you know, because I'm, I'm in this junk right now of what I feel. So I go up to him one day, and I said, did you marry me for the anointing? He's like, is this a trick question? What do I need to say in this moment? Because he knew the way I came in, I was coming in hot and intense, and it was like, what is happening? I'm like, did you pick me for the anointing and for ministry, but give up on the looks department? He goes, who told you this? I said, I just need you to answer the question. He was like, I chose you for everything. Everything about you is what I love and why I chose you. And you would think with him saying that it would fix it all, but it didn't. It would keep coming back up. It would keep coming. It would keep coming. It would keep coming. I would, get, I would finally get pregnant and I would have a baby. I felt the most beautiful pregnant. I don't know what it is. Maybe because you can eat what you want and I wasn't on, you know, 18 different diets at the time. And so it was just like I felt the most beautiful because it was like you're supposed to gain weight so you're like excited about it. I don't know. So it just for me, I was like, if I could just have babies all the time, I'd feel beautiful, but that wouldn't be normal. So, I mean, it is for some. I'm sorry. I'm just saying for me, just to have babies all the time. It was just not in my cards. Okay, so... And I, I, I'm trying to live this life and, and, and things are, and, and I have this baby and then all of a sudden all the insecurities came back because when you have a baby at 39, things are just working a little slower than you want them to. Like your metabolism just doesn't want to function at all. And so I'm doing everything I know, which I was also a person due to those things said to me, I think I've done 28 different diets throughout my life to try to look a certain way, be a certain way. Um, I used to eat one can of soup and uh, some crackers every day and then get a McDonald's coffee, I'm telling you, and I thought it was normal. Like when I hear people now, I'm like, I think I had some kind of disease and didn't know it. Like I never, I didn't go through, but what I, mentally what was happening was not right because I was trying so hard and I was damaging this body that God gave me based on words that were said and thoughts that were put in. And so this has been a struggle for me. And, and why am I telling you all this? Because I need you to understand that there are thoughts that are ruling your life right now. There are thoughts that were said. This was said to me in eighth grade. I am 44 years old. And still, the, the are you good enough, are you pretty, will still happen. Last year, literally, I was looking at our, our uh, website, and I thought, I wonder if people think that they're okay, you know, if I'm a pretty enough pastor for them. Dumbest, dumbest, I mean, I know, and that's stupid. I get it. I'm just sharing with you. Y'all have stupid thoughts, but you don't have a mic to tell me about them. So, but I'm gonna share mine. And so I had them and it, and it wasn't good, but it was like, man, I don't wanna disappoint people. 
And it was like, how are you a disappointment when you're exactly who God's made you to be? But we come and we have these thoughts and, and we have these ideas. And so I went back to the scripture and I said, okay, God, okay. If your word says this, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. I said, okay. And he said, but you haven't done that. I said, what do you mean? He said, read it again. So I came back and read it again. And, I, and, I, he, and he kept honing in and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And he said, this whole scripture, it, it's, a, it's a warring scripture for our weapons. And I said, okay. And he said, you need to think that way. I said, okay. And he said, read it again. And I was like, all right. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. He said, what does the word captive mean? I said, it means held or confined so as to prevent escape. The Cambridge definition says it's the ability to move or act freely is then limited by kept being kept in space. I said, what do you mean? And he said, this is what I mean. And this is when he showed me. If you'll come up here, Tina. Tina is a thought. Tina is the thought that I've had in my life. I'm not pretty. My husband married me because I sing good and it looks good to have your wife help you in church, okay? Those are the thoughts. And she can preach so you can take a break. But I always thought when we're out in public, do people look and go, oh, he's so sweet, he married her. You know what I mean? Like, you know, y'all know you've thought it about people before, okay? So don't even play in here like you're just all spiritual and you're like, I've never thought that. You know what I mean? I mean, there was even a couple that I remember on something on Instagram and the woman was talking that people are always like, this is your wife? And she said, I could not believe that people actually walk up and say this to us. But that's the day and age we live in where everybody thinks they need an opinion on everything. Dear Jesus. Okay, so if I'm going to take something captive, I don't know if you've ever seen movies and different things, but when they take something captive, they actually stop it from talking. Okay, as, as cheesy as maybe you think this is, I need you, I need you to hear what I'm saying. The thoughts that have invaded our lives, the thoughts that have sat there have not been taken captive. What we've done is we've thrown a scripture on it. We've tried to think about something else and that doesn't work. What happens when you take something captive, you interrogate it. What is your purpose here? What are you trying to get me to believe? Who's in charge of this? Like when I watch movies where they're interrogating something, I need to find out where you came from, why you're here and what's your agenda. So when I have a thought that comes that you are not this, where did this come from? This came from some squeaky little eighth grade girls that thought one day they would say something to me to make themselves feel better. And I took what they said, I allowed it to not only become a thought, but I began to believe it about myself. And I did not allow my, my, I did not allow my thoughts to be handed over to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who could tell me something different about myself. So why do we have to take it captive? Because I have to know why it's here. We, okay, here, I'll say it this way. So the colleges were doing a study on, what were they doing? They were doing this study on, okay, so how do we thought suppression? How do we do it? How do we do this? So we're gonna get a group of people and we're gonna tell them, I don't want you to think about a carrot. 
The problem is, as soon as they told him, I don't want him to think about a carrot, all those people could do was think about carrots for two minutes. These people don't like carrots. They don't even care about carrots. But all they could think about is carrots. And all you can see right now is a bunch of carrots because I keep saying the word carrots. So when thoughts are coming against you and they're coming relentlessly, suppressing them, they said they actually did the study, made it worse and caused more distress on these people because they were so stressed out trying not to think about it. What they came in to do to the next group is said, we're going to tell them that, but then we're going to give them a thought substitution. I don't want you to think about carrots, but you know what? Steaks. Man, big juicy steaks with a lot of butter. And all of a sudden, these people could no longer think of the thought. So if you just slap a scripture on something, you're not doing anything. But if you substitute the wrong thought you've had with the right thought that what God says about you, that thought no longer has power that you have given it. But I don't know where that thought comes from until I take it captive. I don't know why it's there. So I think so many times we have a wrong thought or, or, or okay, so we're going to take it to addiction. Man, there's, there's uh, you, you men that have dealt with and women that have dealt with pornography. So there's usually, you can tell it leading up, there's a moment where it's like, oh man, I, it's coming for me to want to do that. You trying to ignore what is happening in that moment makes it worse. You got to substitute it with something. I used to tell our young people all the time, you're getting hot and heavy, turn on all the lights and think resurrection of Jesus. Do you know how many of our youth have come back and said that that actually it worked? Because all I could think about was Jesus when I started flipping on the lights. But you wonder why you're doing stuff in a dark room or in a dark car, turn off all the lights. Turn on some worship music. You won't do that anymore. That's not, you've got to substitute it with something else. You have to substitute it with the truth of God. So I want you to write this down. What you're willing to take captive will no longer have control. The only way this doesn't have space to move around in my thought life is when I take it captive. The thought that I was not pretty, the thought that I was not good enough had made a home in my thought life. I mean, that thought had moved in. It had sofas, it had rooms, like it was living there. It wasn't until I began to, okay, I need to take this captive. And see, I've been in a journey saying, okay, God, why do I think this way? Why do I feel this way? And when he took me to the scripture, I said, God, I've heard this scripture. He's like, yeah, but you didn't read it right because you're not coming. You are not being aggressive. And it's funny, I'm aggressive in ways I shouldn't be aggressive. But in the way that I'm supposed to be aggressive, I wasn't being aggressive at all. And God said, I started this for the weapons. I'm letting you know, this is war. There, there is a battle. There is a fight going on. So understand, because of that, you have to be in that mode. So he said, when you see the word captive, you have to go to fight mode to understand you are fighting to tell this thing it's got to stop. You are doing whatever it takes to get it to tell you, why are you here? And you sometimes might not get an answer in one day. Okay, that thought came back. Okay, there's a seed somewhere. And I'm a, God, I thank you that you're showing me where this thought comes from. Because I can quote a scripture. And I can say, greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. I have said that scripture, but I didn't believe it. See, I can't just slap a scripture on. Because until I believe what it says, till I understand what it says, it does not do me any good. And we quote scriptures. Unsaved people quote all the time, for God so loved the world, but he ain't Lord of their life. But they'll put it all over everything. Just because it sounds good. He died for them, but until they make him Lord of their life, there's no, there is no shift. 
So until I take the initiative to take this thought, and when God showed me this, I mean, I literally, I came out of the back room and I came to Brian and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, we've missed it. We missed it. We're not taking anything captive. We're suppressing it. We're throwing it. We're trying to not think about it. We're forgetting it. We're reading books. That's great. But at the same time, until I figure out why it's there and where its seed comes from, it doesn't get dealt with. It doesn't change what's happening in my heart. The Bible says this. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. The Hebrew translation of guard means to keep above all things. Man, when thoughts really begin to destroy us, it's because it's gotten in our heart. I had believed a lie. It had hurt friendships and it hurt, now was hurting my marriage because I couldn't believe that he would choose me based on me just being me. I had to think it was because of what I could offer ministry-wise. It couldn't just be Alicia. There's times that I've convinced myself that people like me because of what I can do, not just who I am, because my natural self is very goofy. But I hid that for many years because a lot of people, I would hear phrases, you're too much. If you say that to me now, it triggers me, so I'm just going to let you know now. And, and when I would hear those things, it would shift something in me. And I would say, Jesus, Why? Why am I feeling this way? And so many of us are living under a dark cloud of the wrong things. And maybe your father looked at you one day and said, man, why aren't you stronger than that? And he just meant in that moment, but for your whole life, now you've just questioned your strength and your ability because of those words. Some of the words that were spoken to us, people are not even aware they said. I guarantee you if I found those girls, they'd be like, why would we have said that? I don't even think they understood what they were doing, but the enemy did. The enemy knew, oh, she's never questioned this because why? That's what he did to Eve. You're missing out on something. See, I'd, I had never thought that maybe I wasn't pretty. It wasn't until the thought was put in and that maybe I wasn't that I began to believe it just like Eve, hearing you don't have something, maybe I don't. When everything she needed was inside of her. Everything she would ever need was in her. You know, and I use this illustration just so that people can have an understanding of what it looks like. So later this week, when you have a thought that comes in and you don't know what to do with that thought, you go back to this cheesy illustration and you think I'm tying it to a chair till I figure out where it came from. Because why do I always, why when I fail at something does it make me feel like this? When really I'm not a failure, now I just have another lesson to learn. I, I have a way to get better. How come when I don't, uh, I don't do enough or I don't say enough? Or, and, and so many times we're looking, why? Let's figure out where those thoughts are coming from. I've been trying to be so vigilant that when thoughts come that I know they're contrary to what I should think, what I should feel, that I begin to just think, okay, I'm gonna sit. Rita Springer calls it this, sit in your listening chair where you don't talk at all and you just let Holy Spirit talk. You don't say a word and you sit there and say, okay, God, what is it? that I need to hear from you above everything else. Because if I don't let his words substitute the wrong words, I don't get healed. And every friend and my husband can tell me, you're the most beautiful person in the world. We love you. Even after the first service, I can't tell you how many people were like, you're beautiful. I'm like, no, I mean, I'm, I, yeah, you don't have to say that now because now I'm just thinking you're saying it because I said it. You know what I mean? So really, I mean, like I appreciate it, but it doesn't mean anything to me right now. And uh, so tell me three weeks from now when I'm not, you know, I didn't preach it, you know, no. And it's like, you can think, man, and, and, you, and you're processing this, but until I begin to substitute that with the Lord and say, okay, God, what do you see? 
He's like, I knit you together. Like I picked for your eyes to be where they are and your nose and your mouth and your ears and your chin and your cheeks. I want them this way and I didn't ask you to rearrange them. I, I don't want you wishing they looked different or you did something different. But we've got a world that, you know, when I was dieting, it was, man, if you don't look, if you don't blow away when the wind is blowing, you are not skinny enough. Like it was like, we eat oatmeal and crackers. I was like, what? You know, and so, and, and all, it's so, all my sisters were so small growing up, so it was so frustrating. And I was just like, if I even looked at food, I would put on weight. Like I was one of those people. And they'd be like, well, you're just big boned. I'm like, can you not say that to me? Like, what does that mean? What do you mean big boned? You could say, oh, you're strong. There you go. You know, and that's when I started, I didn't understand my body. Until several, several, about 20 weeks ago, I thought, I got a coach and it was like, well, let's try this working out thing. And, and let's try, and I've worked out, but it was like, let's try with like real weights and stuff and let's do this. And all of a sudden I'm texting her and I'm like, I think it's going good. I just squatted 205. And she said, I'm sorry, what, what did you just say? I was like, well, I squat, I only could do it once. And she's like, okay, I don't think you realize what you're doing. And I was like, well, I only benched 135. And she's like, okay, so let me just give you a little bit of a, uh, for four years I trained and I got to 145. You've been doing this for 12 weeks. I was like, oh, so you're telling me there's something awesome about, so for the first time I realized there was something awesome about how I was built. But it took me, and this is why I'm sharing this, till the age of 43, because I started back last year and begin this year in November to start to see that I was made exactly the way that God wanted me to be made. And so many of you sitting in this place, you have tried to shift things, change things, you wish things were different. And sometimes it's just hearing the voice of God on these things and allowing God to heal us. You know, I'm gonna close with this, that Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep in him perfect peace who mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. You can write this down. Thoughts with limited space have limited success. We give thoughts way too much space in our minds and our hearts and we allow them to control how we feel, how we react, what we do. Instead of just saying, okay, God, I wanna see things the way that you see them. Taking things to God, even little things. A friend of mine in St. Louis, she was having horrible stomach problems constantly. She'd been to the doctor several, several times. And she kept just saying, man, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. And they're like, we're gonna have to actually scope you because we don't have any other answers of why you're in so much pain. She was just praying one day and saying, God, just you know, help me. And he literally, she said, the Holy Spirit so, said, get an allergy test off of Amazon. She's like, can this be the Lord telling me to shop on Amazon? This is amazing. <laughs> and so... So quit digging on my Amazon. And, um, and so for $19.99, she does this and comes back that she has a horrific allergy to eggs. This girl eats eggs and quiche every day of her life. Moment she went off of eggs, she's not had one bit of pain in over a year. Something so simple as Holy Spirit help me figure out instead of the thought of, oh my gosh, something's always gonna be wrong with me. Oh, why is this? Why is this? Why is this? There even are natural things that Holy Spirit can guide and lead you to if you're open and you hear his voice. He knows your body better than anybody else. And that's what I did. I stood there and I said, God, I know I've dieted a lot and I know I've hurt my metabolism. So I thank you that you're repairing the things that have been broken. God, I thank you that you're helping me look the best me. I don't have a, I, I've given up a, a goal weight or all this kind of stuff because my goal weight was like something I weighed in eighth grade. So I know that's not healthy. And I think my sister cat weighs that. And so it's just not even realistic. So um, my family was just honest with me one day. So thank you for that, Tina. And so, um, 
Um, and it was needed, you know, because it wasn't, I, I would not be breathing or able to lead worship if I was that little. So I remember just praying and just saying, God, I, I, I need you to heal these thoughts because this is where they came from. And I did the work, God. I, I, I interrogated and I captivated, but now I need you to take them. See, we can take the thoughts captive, but God said, but then I'll ultimately take them because you're allowing me to substitute it with something else, which is my voice and my words that you're good enough you're seen, you're loved. It was a perfect song for this sermon because it's like when you don't feel seen, that's when you begin to sing it by faith. And I'm seen, I'm known, I'm loved by the Father. He sees me, he knows me. And we quote things like he knows every hair on my head. Well, that means he knows exactly what you need right now. So ask him. And when he takes you in his word and he shows you something, man, dive in fully and allow him to heal those things. And don't allow those thoughts to hold you captive anymore. You turn the tables and you hold them captive and tell them they have no power over you any longer. Man, if you'll just stand to your feet in this room, I just wanna pray just over us today. God, I know that we're responsible for the truth that we receive. So God, I thank you for the truth that we've received in this room today. That if we didn't understand what we were supposed to do with our thoughts, we do now. So God, I thank you that you help us take on the responsibility of what it looks like to deal with those thoughts, to take those thoughts captive. God, to lean into you and to trust you with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding. And in God, when we wanna lean on our own understanding, we just acknowledge you so that you direct our path and we don't get lost trying to do this on our own. God, I thank you that you give us the faith for some in this room to even deal with some thoughts. It's gonna be painful. God, it was painful for me to have to go back to eighth grade and then every time that thought had made a core memory for me to deal with it. But God, I thank you that your strength was so perfect in those moments. And God, you're still healing things. I'm not perfect. God, I still question. But God, I thank you that I have done the work of taking that thought captive and saying, no longer will you control me. I now have taken back control from that thought. And ultimately, God, you're the one that's in control. So God, I ask you to bless every person in this room. God, to heal emotions, to heal trauma, to heal pain. God, I thank you that they're surrendering things to you. Maybe they've never thought about, they've never dealt with. God, I thank you that today's the day. And God, we're not looking for a quick fix. God, we're just looking for you to sit in the mess with us and you'll create a miracle. God, you're so beautiful in everything that you do and everything that you are. And God, I thank you that we rest in that fact. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's someone in this room that Jesus is not Lord of your life, we wanna give you an opportunity to make him Lord. Maybe you've given your life to the Lord before you said a prayer, but he's not Lord and you wanna change that this morning. We don't ever wanna leave without giving you an opportunity to do so. If that is you, I just want you to raise your hand so that I can see it, so that I can make a connection with you. Yes, today was the day that you came back to the Lord or you're coming to him for the first time. God, we love you and we honor you in this room, that you are amazing, that you are incredible and you are all things good. And we thank you for what you did and what you continue to do in Jesus' mighty name, amen.